You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hello, everyone. Stakuya here. And I'm Gabby. And welcome back to the podcast, my hoes. Now we're trying things a little bit different here in our studio. I, I'm going to call it the studio. I don't really. Our, our work, garage. Our workspace, which we've gotten many comments in the past year on the quality of the audio. So we're trying something a little bit different here. I hope that it sounds good. Just please let us know in the reviews like what it is that we can do better. If there's any advice that you have on what it is that we can do to help or make things better, just please let us know. We really try our best right now, but right now we're in our garage and it's freezing because we have to turn off the heater for this, but we can't film, well, we can't record in the house because we have a two-year-old. What, Gabby? You're saying that you don't have natural body heat or a body that retains heat? Really? Okay. Amazing. This is bullying somehow. No, it's, it's not somehow. It's just straight up bullying. No, it, <laughs> that is definitely the case of what this is. Thank you. Thank you for that. But speaking of bodies... We need to talk about bodies, lots of bodies, bodies in very sensual positions. Well, okay, maybe not exactly the bodies. Like one part of this whole thing is probably going to talk about bodies, but okay, you're looking at me weird. Don't make this weird. I'm not making it weird. You made it weird when we did a podcast on weird sex toys in history. So, <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We have covered a variety of different topics on this podcast. We have covered the history of potatoes. We have covered ferrets. We have covered badasses of history. We have covered tragic events. But when we went off on several different tangents in our last episode, we decided that uh, our next one needed to be something just out there. And that is why today we are going to cover the history of sex toys. So are you going to tell us when they first decided to use those sex toys i mean yeah we, we can't exactly give a confirmed date but okay let me let me get into this like so sex right it's a natural method of creation naturally i, I don't really know what else i would cause it I, or rather it's not just like creation it's recreation not just for humans but like for any kind of creature on earth right well here's the question how do you do you ever think about how it was invented in the first place? Like, were two people just bored next to each other and are like, wow, well, I have a brilliant idea. I'm pretty sure that there have been studies on that. And they've shown like, oh, humans who were given no education whatsoever for here. So people, you know, they probably viewed animals doing it and then they imitated them. I'm not even kidding when I say that. That's actually one of the key ways that humans really discovered that, you know, certain plants and things like that were edible was they would watch and make sure that animals ate them. Then they would eat them. That's there's just that's kind of disturbing. Actually, I read somewhere once. There's got to be instinct somewhere. Well, here's the thing. This couple and I don't know how true this article was, but I remember like in high school, I read this article and this couple, they were infertile and they had to go see a doctor because they were trying to have a kid for multiple years. Was this the Chinese one? Yes. Oh. 
And turns out they didn't know where exactly the sperm had to go. So they were using the wrong orifice. <laughs> we're going to use the term orifice for that because it's So that's uh, what I'm saying. Maybe it's not as intuitive as we think. Like at no point would someone who's never heard of it go, "Wow, this is a great idea." I don't think so. That's not how I think. I don't know why we're going on to the topic of how you think in regarding to uh the subject. Okay, but- <laughs> okay. Let's just let's just go back to where we were. But that's just a fun little if we think talking about Throughout history, I want to know where it began. That's how we got here. Well, we're going to get there because, like, if we nowadays, like, if if you were like me and you grew up watching, you know, Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, you saw like hunting, you saw gathering, you saw fighting, you saw recreation. Like, it, like they literally, they would just show the things for it happening. I was not allowed to watch any of the shows that had to do with mating. Excuse you, like you didn't have parental controls. Okay. I had some, but not to the degrees that you did. Absolutely not. We're not even going to come close to that regard. <laughs> okay. But things on that channel, Discovery or Animal Planet, they, they could get weird sometimes. Like, they're pretty damn weird. So, so sex can be pretty odd, but no animal, no animal out there is weirder than humans. And I will stand by that, right? Because we will create devices to aid us and assist us in our depravity. And so that's why today's episode is dedicated to all the weird sexual toys and items and things that humans have made and developed over the years, which honestly, we it's sex and it's humans like that story goes back literally to the beginning of time or rather the beginning of human race. So there are infinite number of ways that we could talk about this. So I have gathered a variety of different things that I wanted to talk about, and I figured Since we're going to start about sex and the human race, we need to start at the beginning. So when you think of sex toys, like they sound modern, right? Probably only in the past few, maybe hundred years with the development of things like plastics and rubber, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, the oldest sex toy known to men is found or was found around 29,000 BC. We didn't find it then. We found it now. But it's dated back to 29,000 BC. It is a Paleolithic stone phallus that was discovered in southwestern Germany by this archaeologist by the name of Petra Kieselbach. You say stone phallus discovered. It was rock hard. (laughs) 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 That just took you completely off guard. You have no idea how long I've been waiting this since I wrote this damn thing. I have been looking at going off. This is the perfect place to put this in. Uh, wait a minute, I just did it again. Stop. <laughs> okay, genuine question. Is there any way that this was possibly just a statue? Like someone was like, I'm going to make a statue of my penis. No, that's actually a good point. No, I'm not even kidding. That is a very good point. Like it's speculated like this could be a dildo or it could have been just an idol sculpture. Was it smooth? We're going to get to that. Oh, we are. Yeah. No, we literally are. Now, I say speculated again because we can't exactly confirm if this was actually used. Like statues of genitalia have been used by cultures all over the world for thousands of years as objects of luck, for worship, for all different kinds of things. Like, okay, the Romans. I always bring up the Romans for different things as an example for it here. No, you usually bring up the Greeks. Well, maybe in regard to some of the sexual depravity, but uh, the Romans definitely had their fair share for things. (laughs) 
Like the Romans, as an example, they put penis statues inside their gardens because these would ward off bad spirits and give them luck. Okay. Yeah, no, that was a thing. Also, there's this this whole thing for it here, like one of my favorite things. Do you think humans have advanced and grown over the ages? And then you realize, like, no, some of the these these Viking runes that we'd find inscribed onto buildings and walls literally would just say like Halfdan was here. And things like that. And Roman soldiers would draw penises on like the walls that they were guarding. Humans have not changed. Like, you say humans. I think men. <laughs> Men have not evolved very much. That is a fair point, but we are going to get into the women of some of these things. And there are a variety of different things for that. I have so many jokes I can make, but I won't continue. Oh, about getting into the women. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a bad one. There's no way we can have this one rated as for like everyone. Oh, yeah. No, this is going to be definitely rated, um, you know, like mature. And then obviously no sponsors for this one. Okay, so again, it asks the question, just like you did, why do people think that this one was different? Why was this a sex toy and not an object of worship? Well, for one, it's the shape and also it's the size of a real penis. Now, I say real, so it was around eight inches. So it wasn't huge, but I mean, it was big, but it wasn't like ludicrous. You know, it wasn't something like a two foot long thing. It wasn't overly exaggerated. It wasn't really decorated or marked with anything on it. And the way that it was polished indicates that um, it had a it had a use. And because the material that it's made of was siltstone, siltstone can become very smooth. And that leads the team that discovered it to believe that this thing was used as a sex toy. It wasn't just like an object because you could you could make it that out of basically any kind of rock. But why use something specifically and make it polished and smooth? Okay, hear me out. If it's polished and smooth, I think it's not as bad as just rock. Because you made it sound like it was just a stone. I mean, it was stone. I know, but it was just a stone, jagged thing. Like, have you ever fallen on stone? I, I don't know. And uh, well, y- yeah, but not in the way that you're implying here. Because okay, that's no, um, I mean, like scrape your knee. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, if they polish it, then yeah, that's that's that is innovation, you guys. <laughs> well, there are other examples for it here. Like they've had prehistoric double headed dildos have been found like all over the world that range from like 13,000 to maybe like 20,000 years ago. There's various paintings from ancient Egypt around like 3000 BC that featured dildos that were being used in a variety of ways. But while we have art that dates back that far, we don't really have many physical examples like we do of the stone. That is, of course, until around 2500 to 3,000 years ago, where we start to get a lot of examples that were found in Asia, but also in Greece. Greece. Yes, of course it's going to be Greece. Like, what what else would you expect That's here? That's the only reason I'm here. Come on, let me, let me hear. Okay, well, no, first we're going to start off with Asia. Okay, so we're going to go into there. Fine. So the first one that we have here, because we talked about a phallus. This is not a phallus. It's not a dildo. It's a ball. Or rather, it's called a love ball. So the origin of love balls can be found in Japan. And the traditional Japanese name for love balls is called Rin no Tama uh, or Benwa. And that means like ringing bells as life expectancy is like earlier times. They, like, it wasn't very high. People died. They died very, very early. That, that was just a natural thing. So people wanted to make as much 
offspring as possible, and they wanted to bring back their sexual attractiveness. They wanted to like really be able to get back into things as soon as possible. This basically was necessary. So Benoit balls are basically these small weights for the like for the vagina. So they're they're like sex toys, but they're also medical devices because they train your pelvic floor muscles, which like on one hand, like that's going to protect you from things like incontinence and, and that and that sort of thing. There's like therapists who deal with pelvic floor muscles. That's like a huge like thing yes. that people need to go to the doctor for. So if they were doing this way back then, that's amazing. Yes. No, it goes back a long time. In fact, a medical aspect of this whole thing is a huge deal that we're going to get really into that. Um, but so on the other hand, it's not just the muscles for here, or rather a well-trained pelvic floor muscle also increases the strength of orgasms. So even back then, Benoit balls were considered like they, they were basically like these little pieces of jewelry. They could be made of jade or semi, semi-precious like stones, and they were typically in like these little egg shapes. This sounds like something I could find on Goop, and now I might go buy some. Wait, what is Goop? Goop? I don't know. What, what is that? Um, Tony Stark's wife. I forgot her name. But she has, like, this sex toy. Like it's, it's like a health and wellness, but also, like, women's health shop where you can buy, like, vagina candles and, like, but, eggs that go. But yeah. Vagina? What? Okay. Gwyneth Paltrow. That's who it is. Um. <laughs> I feel a like candle. Google searches I are going to go way up. I have looked up all <laughs> of this stuff that I have here to talk about here. And somehow, somehow I have not gotten vagina candles on this list. I would not want you to get that on that list. So good. <laughs> God. Okay. So as I said, they had these balls, including the women. They had the balls. <laughs> and the traditional Japanese version of what they had consisted of these three hollow spheres that were connected by small chains. It's anal beads, basically. <laughs> and so what would happen was that the first one was empty. It basically only served to be like it, it held the other two balls in place. The second ball. Now, this is where things get really spicy. That was filled with mercury. Oh, yes. And if placed correctly, it was at the height of the G spot to stimulate it precisely. Now, I want you to understand this. There's any number of materials that they could have used in history. Like they they really could have. Why specifically mercury? Well, mercury for a lot of ancient Asian medicine, especially for the Chinese, mercury was literally believed as liquid silver to be something of the gods like it was a key ingredient to make elixirs and ambrosias that would make you immortal so it was it was something for ultimate health it took a long time for people to realize that it was actually poisoning them and that it wasn't (laughs) wasn't actually something healthy but but anyway that's what they did so they had the second ball in there that was filled with mercury and so when the ball would hit the other ball when it was inside, it would cause vibrations. Now, fortunately, over the years, these very harmful components like lead or mercury and other things that were used in it, they got replaced for more um, safe. I'm kind of just going to use the term safe. They, they, they used safer things later on. But that is what it was like in the beginning. I'm intrigued, though. Like, they just thought of the Who invented this? I feel like they were... That is really 
advanced. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to think. Just like what I talked about with the stuff with Mercury, this goes back to just my favorite thing. If you've watched any of my other videos or any kind of stuff, like the, what they would do for medicine is just insane. So as I said, Chinese emperors would drink this elixir containing mercury and other things to prolong their life, become immortal, become stronger, etc. Naturally, that did not work. Well, yeah, I'm not really talking about the components that they used to make it. I'm talking about the concept behind it. It's actually really smart for thinking, innovative, and like just... It sounds fun. Yeah. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah. In fact, well, a lot of the things that we associate with health and all these other things were here, it really came back going into the uh, like 1800s, which is a huge component of what we're going to talk about in this. But the 1800s, wasn't everyone like really... Prudish. Oh, trust me when I say you are going to, you're going to see. I actually even have pictures, which no one else is going to be able to see, but I'm going to be showing you. Okay. Actually, if you have pictures, this is something that we can add to Patreon. You can post them into Patreon for your patrons to see. Oh, that's true. So like in tandem with the episode, they can see all of your visual aids and research. <laughs> so, no, that's actually Just a good the point. Entire so they can see what it is that I'm talking about for here. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, I should start doing that and then posting the, uh, the the pictures of the different things as I come links, across it. Yeah. yeah, so they can actually see. As your podcast grows and you get more and more patrons, people would want to see that. Yes, I mean, true. I want to see that. Oh, well, you're going to see it. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, yay. So that was... So that was Japan, but I talked about the stuff with China. So naturally, we have to talk about China. Like in the last few decades, archaeological excavations near Shanghai, they have actually unveiled the contents of 2,000-year-old tombs that show that the Chinese used elite sex toys and dildos just like we do today. Now, of course, these things weren't exactly perfect, okay? There's like a big difference aside from the fact that, you know, they were made of things like um, – bronze and other stuff that sounds like bougie yeah for lack of a better term oh trust me we're gonna get into the difference between a high class sex toy and a low class sex toy like that, that that's coming oh like, is that, does that still it, exist yeah don't worry gabby it's coming stop <laughs> you're gonna make one joke too many and everyone's just gonna turn it off they're just gonna be like that was my last straw <laughs> i'm so proud of myself right now for here because i don't have any of this written down this is all on the fly i'm sorry guys i'm gonna make sure next week is another badass of history to really level out the debauchery and actual historical <laughs> knowledge okay so we're gonna get into some of the brutal stuff that actually happened from this so in China, one of the key reasons why they heavily used sex toys was in order for men to get their wives to not cheat on them. I like it already. Continue. Yeah. Okay. Continue. So the idea was, especially in the case of like a Chinese emperor, just like someone who would have a lot of concubines, is you might have an emperor with like three, four, five hundred wives. Why is he worried about being cheated on when he is cheating? Well, no, they, they, well, that's the whole thing for how it was structured for here in the first place. But you got to remember, the dynasty is specifically going through the emperor, right? Mm -hmm. So it's fine if he has many children with many different women because it's his seed and line, the lineage that matters for what would be ruling the throne. But if 
a woman just slept with a stable hand or something along those lines, and then she gave birth to a child, the the king thinks that it's his, and that child then becomes the next emperor, they would literally see it as evil, and here's why. Because the king had the divine right of heaven and was appointed. So if someone from outside his lineage became the next ruler, it would basically cause the country to burn to the ground and chaos would ensure, uh, would ensue. That, it that, yeah, sounds that would be the like, and I don't say this very often, the ideal scenario for someone who is infertile, like me. Yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun. So being worried that they perhaps would not be able to satisfy so many concubines, they allowed women to explore their sexuality a bit more on their own using these devices. So, like, among the sex toys and other relics that they found inside the tombs, they found things like, as I said, bronze dildos that were used as um, strap-ons. So, these were these were these hefty, like, they, they like weigh, like, four or five pounds, right? And they're these bronze dildos that have these, um, they have these rings at the end of it here that you would probably tie to, like, a thong or underwear or around your waist. Exactly and, how dildo strap on yeah so it's like it's a strap on for it here and so moreover they found things like there were hollow dildos that were made of jade and these artifacts were meant to do things like they would contain liquid in order to provide the illusion of climax so as you're going you know just go because the thing is hollow that is actually really nice of them i guess to encourage and provide a way for people to explore their sexuality versus like just pretending people aren't sexual creatures yep they also had things like penis rings but we're gonna get into that later because that's a whole other thing entirely that's a whole other thing oh no trust me when i say there there are a whole variety of things from what we cover in china and also india india has a way i'm gonna use the term worse one in this regard um Go India, represent. <laughs> so now, as I was kind of talking about it, we talked about toys, but not all of these were meant for sex. Exactly. Like it was still a device that we nowadays would associate as a sexual device, but that's not the case here. It, or at least we don't really think so. So the Chinese employed jade and bronze butt plugs, like the ones that <laughs> were discovered in a tomb uh, of like this king near modern day Shanghai. And researchers believe that these butt plugs that they found were actually used to seal certain orifices. It's the butt. It, we know it's the butt. In the corpses that died in order to maintain the body's chi. Chi would be like the life force, the energy, the spirit that was in the body. They didn't want it to just drain out the butt. So they would plug the butt and it would stop the chi from draining out. And you might wonder, well, why the hell? How would that work? Why would that be a thing? Why would they use this and not, you know, just a rock or like seal it up or glue it together or something? Why? Why? Did you say glue it together? Okay, there are many different ways that you could potentially. You got two cheeks. You could literally spread glue or adhesive down and just squeeze it together. That would pose <laughs> a host of other problems and here's the thing i'm a scientist but you don't need to be a scientist to know why you shouldn't glue cheeks together <laughs> i think what they did was good well again there's a key reason why they use jade and that's because jade it's was pretty well, it has a very strong spiritual element. like jade was a 
gem. It was of the gods, basically. Like a lot of things have a lot of religious significance for it here. And jade specifically, this was that. So you would use jade and the jade would be something that again it was for spirit. That's what it was for. But we've talked about the expensive stuff. Jade, bronze, silk. We didn't talk about silk. We talked about stone. No, silk, like for the silk thongs for different things that were used. Yeah. Stone, I mean, stone can go back for anyone for it here, but it also takes time and effort to really make something there. To polish it. No one's just taking stone and shoving it anywhere, I hope. Well, yeah. But what about the cheap stuff? What about like... Wood? Well, yeah, no, that is definitely a thing for it here. But there's another intriguing thing that was done by peasants. So peasants in China had something called the Cantonese groin, which was a root of of a plant that was it was a large root that was already kind of shaped like a penis and this was used by dil, uh, as a dildo by peasant women so what they would do is they would soak it in water <laughs> so that it would become more malleable and then they would shape it into the kind of like the desired shape and then when they would take it out and it would harden it dried and formed itself into its proper shape and form you gotta do what you gotta do, buddy. I, I mean, has does the cucumber come up <laughs> at any point in this podcast? Food does. Food does. Food does. All food or just cucumbers? A specific food. I was hoping it's just cucumbers. No, well, a specific food does, and uh, you'll you'll see what I mean. And it's not the one you're thinking of at squash? all. Squash? No, I promise you, it is not Egg the natural shape. No. No, it. what we're going to get into, it's literally not in its natural shape for what you would think. I promise you, you're not going to get this. Watermelon. I promise you, you're not <laughs> going to get this. So, th- we, we again, we talked about devices for it here, but, and things that were used for health and that sort of thing. Also, are you going to tell us what the root was? Well, Cantonese groin. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the plant for it here. I know that I had this here, but I've kind of forgotten. Um if you're going to look it up, literally just look up. Well, actually, wait, don't go onto Google and type in Cantonese groin. That might come up with very different images. Oh, no, I did. Yeah, you did. I'm sure you did. I regret. She's oh. doing it literally. Oh, oh, she's doing it now. Oh, there we go. It actually was working. Oh, OK, so what is it called? Fantastic for it here. It uh, doesn't actually tell you what it is. It's not telling you what it is for it here. No. But if you Google image it, it actually will work. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I did my best, you guys. Well, do you remember how I said that a number of these sex toys were made specifically with the purpose of stopping women in China from cheating by giving them an outlet? Okay, so naturally that's not going to stop everyone. Some did cheat. And the consequences of infidelity, that, that could be really bad. So women who were, who like, they were unfaithful, they were stripped naked or could be stripped naked, and publicly tortured and humiliated on a dildo saddle while people threw rocks at them. So they would strip the women down naked, strap them onto like this log or pole or something that has a saddle placed on it that had this wooden dildo sitting up on it, and they would be impaled on the dildo. And the whole time that they're on that, they would be being hit by rocks. Sometimes it could be to the death. Sometimes it would just be, you know, it's just a general punishment. That was a punishment for cheating? Yeah. But the king cheated all the time. I have 
have a it, lot of it, issues it, with this. It's not how it, there's definitions. That I know you here. explained it, but it's still kind of rude. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, then what about the Greeks? Because I know you were waiting for this from the beginning, so we can actually get into that now. I'm always waiting on the Greeks. They're yeah. fascinating. So being very, uh, what, what would your term be here? Phallocentric? Stop. <laughs> They're just a very sexual people, and that's okay. And yeah, and it pretty much all surrounds penises. And that's okay. Yeah. So Greek men confidently assumed that okay so when they i guess when they were lacking male partners that uh women used dildos or other like phallic objects because sex like if you just think sex sex is not about rubbing it's not about kissing it's about penetration that is that is sex and that was sex to the minds of the greeks like that that's what it was that doesn't sound fun well i mean that's that's what it was so they had different things like they had all these plays they had these vases they had this artwork they had all the stuff that would show all these different things just involving penises i'm gonna need you to rewind did you say plays oh yeah no they showing were plays. penetration yeah yeah okay so so instead of just making like a discrete incognito mode account I mean, they would no they would it would be discrete for it here but they would have stuff that would simulate it or represent like, it show up to the freaking amphitheater like hey guys i'm here to watch porn i mean if you're going to go and it's going to be a festival de- uh, dedicated to like dionysus yeah no they, literally one of the aspects of the religious worship service was an orgy i would like to be there but without being there i would just like to be a fly on the wall of the orgy that's exploring a whole other aspect. No, of I, ju- I just want to see. I just see. Oh, you just want to no. see. You just want to see. That's not what I meant. Oh, yeah. Is it? I just want to know the etiquette. <laughs> you just want to know the etiquette. First hand research. I'm a scientist. First hand research. Primary sources. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Putting it in your language. Well, primary sources. Do you remember? I know I talked about it in an earlier podcast here, but they had that one play called Lysistrata. Which was, it's literally just a raunchy comedy where the women get the men to stop fighting because otherwise they won't have sex with them. Are there any modern day recreations? Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure there are. Cool. I'm pretty sure there are. So (laughs) you had people like there were lonely housewives, you know, you had all these like courtesans and hookers. There were, I mean, there were gay couples that were everywhere for it here in the first place. So there were all these different things that featured phalluses and they were used as objects that could be for worship. But a lot of things today, we would probably describe those as sex toys. Okay. So give this as an example. The Greeks referred to dildos, like the slang term for it was something like sliders or strikers. Okay. Either like, I guess, the slap the face or slide up between the legs. Because, you know, that's one of the most common forms of sex, especially between men when they would do that here, was between the thighs. Why did I already know that? Because I told you about it before. Unfortunate. (laughs) So everywhere you looked in ancient Greece, there was all, all around the Mediterranean, just in general, phallic symbols were everywhere. They would be on temples. They'd be at crossroads. So there were on Athens, there were these stone markers called Herms, each sporting the head of Hermes, which was the god Mercury among the Romans, and just an erect penis. 
And these were sacred boundary markers. Like they weren't things for lust or anything like that. It's just because that was a penis and that pointed where where the direction was. I don't like that. <laughs> Can you imagine going back to Dan? There's just penises. That's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. That's a bit aggressive. So there was even this image of the guy called a Priapus who had an oversized, massive red erection that was designed to be there to warn thieves. Of what? Don't come near here or get wrecked. Maybe by a penis. Okay. So you know how everyone always asks, hey, if you could travel back to any time period in history, which one would you pick? This is the one I would pick. I know I'm black, so I'll have to work a few things out, but <laughs> this is the one I would pick. I mean, come on. It's it's 500 BC. It's completely different than what you'd associate now. They would, they would pretty much look at you as more than likely either the wife of a merchant or something like that, or an exotic trader that has come. Perfect. I'm... I'm traveling back to exactly that point, just so I can experience whatever this was. <laughs> so, they, I mean, it wasn't just for things like warning off thieves. It also did things just like with the Romans I talked about for warding off evil spirits. So for personal love aids, ancient Greeks did a variety of things to get other penises like phallus shaped things so they would do things with the tannery industry with leather so they would use this really soft leather and they would form it into a hot dog shape they would stuff it with wool and then polish it so it would be really smooth so greek dildos were called and i'm going to butcher pronunciations for a number of these things but caladolus boy they didn't vibrate they didn't have any bells or whistles or bees or balls Oh, yeah, that whole thing, which I'm going to say this right now. There is a idea that Cleopatra used a dildo that had bees inside of it to simulate a vibrator. There's quite literally no proof of that ever happening. There's there's really nothing. It is more than likely, overwhelmingly likely to be a historical myth. Okay, but what if we got some bees? I don't know what you'd want to do with that. See if it's possible. See if it's possible. Bees are oh the hold on hold on. Bees are already decreasing in po- like we're losing bees at a rapid rate, and you want to potentially kill bees in order to turn them into a dildo. Here's why. Here's why. When I was a kid, we actually had bees, and my neighbor also had. Listen, bees. I don't want you to start a story no, no. of this type. I'm with- just saying. I'm just saying. So I've done enough to like raise bees. Okay, like mm-hmm. I've done my part. I can take a few, like ten, maybe, maybe, maybe a hundred. You can take a few. Okay, just, just, just continue. Forget I said anything. This was for science. You were standing in the way of scientific research. This is for science. <laughs> okay, so as I said, they use these things for like leather and that kind of stuff. And and the other term that they had for it here, these uh, these phallic shaped were called olospoi. And so from the abundant materials that have survived, we know from things that were on like pots, vases, cups, etc. There were dildos for two models. Some were like joined from end to end. Others were strung around together on woolen ties. They would be like, you know, they could be attached with soft leather straps. You know, if literally it's strap-ons. Like it's just, it's literally strap-ons. But the more expensive model called a bobbin. Now that was made of red leather as most of the dildos that were used in comedies, which yes, I'm literally saying this here. They used these red flaming dildos in comedies. Now you might think that they didn't really use them necessarily for sex. Like it wasn't a sexual action of what would happen. The reason why they used them was to represent 
lust because the red erection, like blood going to the groin, like it was it was arousal. Like that was that was the idea that you'd use it in plays, festivals, things like that. And it, it was supposed to be highly visible. Like that's the point. Like they could also be fashioned from stone or wood. Like the oldest boys became a tool that was primarily bought by single women or at least that's what cultural evidence, I guess, would make us think. Okay, to be fair, it's the Greeks. We don't really know to the extent of what it was, but we know that this was not all between men and women. Like, we know that. (laughs) So some of these could be made out of brass, stuffed leather, but others, and this is where the food comes into play, I'm going to give you one more final guess, like one more final guess. What do you think it is? Onions. What? Garlic. That is a very interesting way to associate. Like, this is not anal beads. No, Gabby. Apples. This is, oh, my God. Wait, fruit or vegetable? No, just in general, any food. It's literally not a fruit or a vegetable. It's not a fruit no. or a vegetable. Bread. You got it. <laughs> you actually got it. Holy shit. I was not anticipating that. You got it. Because you can make bread malleable you can make you could form it like modeling clay if you got it damp enough and then you can put some plastic over that and just go to town oh my god no you actually got it so that discovery about bread we kind of sort of knew things before but it was really cemented by this greek professor by the name of alexander oikonomides where in 1986 he rediscovered that there was this remarkable thing called some of us love history Others used to or never did because history was presented as nothing but the rote memorization of names, dates, and facts. Basically, the story got left out, and that made history kind of suck. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a university professor with a PhD in history, and bringing history to life is my passion. That's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do so through stories. Let me tell you about George Washington begging his men not to mutiny against Congress. Clara Barton saving Union soldiers amid enemy fire. Enslaved Frederick Douglass risking his life for liberty. And about so many other figures as their real experiences make industrialization, social movements, and even congressional debates and tax policy come to life. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck today. And join me, Professor Greg Jackson, every other week for a new episode. Where I'd like to tell you a story. Olis Bokorilekes, where, okay, it's going to take some breaking down for it here. So this wasn't easy to dispose of. I'm not going to use the term reusable, but just like. Please don't use the term reusable. <laughs> use reusable. But it was like one of those things that it's like. Disposable. Disposable, but you could reuse bread into no. this. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. I would never want that bread to be used for anything mm-hmm. after so this. He found this inscription to colix which was like breadstick or baguette basically uh with olispos which was the greek word just for dildo and he later found the word olis bokolik or, or olis bokolix which like combined so in a lex and this was in a lexicon of classical greek that dated back to the fifth century a.d so he found a literal inscription that stated like this wasn't like odin theorizing about it, it no he, bread he, dildo. He, he it literally stated bread dildo okay like that was the term we're we gonna have to pause here so i can lie down <laughs> nope definitely not though you might want to lay down considering some of the future stuff that we're going to be covering here having it gets to do with it worse it's oh. been 
30 minutes of this. It's been 37 minutes. Oh, just wait till we get to the Victorian era. I promise you, just wait. And also the Indian one is just kind of, it's cool, but also some aspect are really weird and bad. I'm sending this episode to Satya. (laughs) Yes, do it. And yeah, okay. So you might think, okay, was this like the first time they saw this? No, they knew kind of of it for many different years, but... They didn't they didn't really know what it was, okay? Because it was a really puzzling thing. They had this artwork, they would depict women with baskets that were filled with phallus-shaped breadsticks. Like there's this one really famous illustration that shows a nude woman taking part in a religious procession carrying a gigantic dong that is very clearly made of bread. Okay, I need to pause. I have said the words. I'm a slut for Fazoli's breadsticks before. <laughs> And this was a holy meaning. I mean, it was the Italians, not the Greeks, in this case, for it here. I just, I need a minute. <laughs> no, I can only hope that the giant one that is depicted was specifically for religious purposes and not for um, <laughs> actual use. Because I'm now imagining something along the lines of a giant, like, French baguette that is being used. <laughs> so, but the majority of things at this point that we have covered, minus... The balls, really, has been phalluses. But there were a lot of other tools that have been used all around the world in many different varying ways. So, for example, remember that thing that I talked about with China? And they had, like, the, the, the cock rings? So yes. the Chinese nobility, like they believed that wearing cock rings would increase the chance of producing an heir. So while many of these could be these really beautiful objects that were carved out of precious stone like jade or other things or, or ivory, that sort of thing, the most common way to have it was actually – and here's where we're going to get this. All right. You ready for this? Goat eyelids. With the eyelashes stop. still attached. Stop. No, no, there ain't no brakes on this train, baby. <laughs> With the eyelashes still attached in order to provide greater stimulation. I don't want to hear this anymore. I'm I'm gonna have to leave right now. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, there's all kinds of different things because that's just stuff for like stimulants. The Greeks specifically used olive oil, which we know they did, obviously. We don't really know when they used olive oil starting, but we know that by the four to three hundreds BC, olive oil was a huge industry, like not only in just Greece, but all around the Mediterranean. So in Aristotle's history of animals, he makes passing references to it, implying things like olive oil made pregnancy less likely like they they thought it would be a kind of thing that would be a um what would be the term um uh to stop reproduction why why am i blinking on the term contraceptive yeah it was so they thought it would be like a contraceptive device just all the actually are we at any point going to cover that one plant that was used as a contraceptive and because it was used as a contraceptive they overfarmed it and then it went like out it it went extinct yeah yeah that definitely i think about it sometimes i'm like wow must have been nice yeah (laughs) They fumbled the bag. Yep. 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 So the Greeks obviously loved olive oil, and that's just something that they used, which this should be obvious. But there's other kinds of aids, too. Everything that we've described so far here has been a physical object, right? Yeah. But there are things such as the Kama Sutra, which specifically provides aid in the form of advice, both in terms of positions, 
but also it describes a lot of different objects and different things that were used. Who wrote the Kama Sutra? Oh my God, I can't remember the term. I actually knew this name here before and I've completely forgotten. Is it a religious book? Well, kind of. You know, there's a huge religious aspect to it here. Were there religious people doing research on this yeah. topic? Yeah, no, people definitely, yeah. Can we do something on the Kama Sutra? Maybe a YouTube video. I don't know. No, uh, that would get taken down. It'd have to be a podcast. It would have to be a podcast. It would be. A lot of topics will just have to be a podcast. Well, tell you what, this, I guess, could be an excerpt or not an excerpt. This could be a promo to that because what I'm going to read for you, and this is the longest section that I have of literally everything that I've gotten here. It is just a whole excerpt of advice and references to objects and descriptions of people. From the Kama Sutra. From the Kama Sutra. All right. Okay. So a lot of this is going to be verbatim because this is not my own words. This is the writing direct. Okay. Or at least writing from the translation of things. If a woman, sorry, if a man is unable to satisfy a Hastini or elephant woman, which, okay. Explain. We are going to get this right from the beginning and have to stop here. So a little tangent for it here. There are multiple different ways they have terms to describe men and women based off their body and personality. So a elephant woman. At what point will the term elephant and woman be an okay? Well, a shorter woman who's not quite as skinny and simultaneously has a bit of the gait of an elephant. She usually is described as having like a brisk attitude and just kind of walks through things without um, regard for whoever is there. Like an elephant. Like she so just she's just go. assertive. That's it? Okay. Anyway, continue. So it's a short, larger woman that is like that for it here. And okay, here's the really messed up part for it. The way that they would describe this is by depth of their yoni. What's a yoni? The vagina. Basically, the deeper the vagina was, the more work was required for it. So the Hestini or the elephant woman was a woman who had a voracious sexual appetite, but simultaneously such a deep vagina that it wasn't really, you couldn't really do anything. You know how some people do like a YouTube video filming of them live recording their podcast? I am so thankful we don't do that because my eyes just roll so far back into my head. I just, I saw my brain. <laughs> so I mean, now you're just chugging wine from this. So if he's not able to satisfy her at the commencement, he should rub her yoni with his hand or fingers and not begin to have intercourse with her until she becomes excited or experiences pleasure. This is one way of exciting a woman. Just so literally, they literally, literally were like, homeboy, I need you to go find the clit. <laughs> Just use foreplay. Just use your hand and rub until it works. <laughs> or he may make use of certain apradavyas. Apradavyas are sex toys. Like they're, they're objects to help, basically. They're things that you put on or around the lingam. The lingam would be the penis, basically, to supplement its length or its thickness. So it's literally like an attachment. Like you, on the tip of your penis, they would have these things like these little heads. They would just extend it by another inch or two. <laughs> I think it'd be like really cool if they made those. And then they put something that also stimulated a dude. So it takes pleasure for everyone involved. Trust me when I say there's kind of things for that here. But it's, oh God. When I was, again, when I was researching this, it just, this is disturbing to me. Um, so... As I said, they would have things to supplement it. In the opinion of Barvaya, these apradivyas should be made of gold, silver, copper, iron, ivory, 
buffalo's horn, various kinds of wood, tin or lead, and should be soft, cool, provocative of sexual vigor, and well-fitted to serve the intended purposes. Vatsviana, however, says that they may be made according to their natural liking of each individual. So the following are the different kinds of apradavias. The armlet, the valia, should be about the same size as the lingam, and they should have an outer surface made with rough globules. Basically, it was like a cast that you put on your dick. Like a, imagine like a condom, but I guess literally a cast for it here that would have these rough spots around it to really give you some friction when you were going at it. Okay. I'm learning so much. And it's just that other cultures were super considerate of the female orgasm. That's what I'm learning from this. Cause who would do any of that unless they can? <laughs> the couple or sangari is formed from two armlets and the bracelet or the chudaka is made by joining three or more armlets until they come up to the required length of the lingam. So one point is just literally just an attachment, just like a little thing to go on the head. The other is like a partial head for it here that goes partway down the base for it here. Like you think of just so a shaft the shaft. For men. Basically you could think of, and the next, like the really big one, like the, uh, the, what was it? The Chudaka. That one is, it's basically just a strap on that you're just Please putting on. Stop demonstrating. I don't need to know. <laughs> Like, just stop gesturing. <laughs> so, the single bracelet is formed by wrapping a single wire around the lingam uh, according to its dimensions. The kantuka, or jalaka, is a tube open at both ends with a hole through it, outwardly rough and studded with soft globules, and it's made to fit to the side of the yoni and tied to the waist. All right. Yeah. And so when such a thing cannot be obtained, then a tube made out of wood apple or tubular stalk of the bottle gourd or a reed made with soft, made soft with oils that were extracted from plants and tied to the waist with strings may be made use of also with soft pieces of wood tied together. <laughs> All right. The above are things that can be used in connection with the place of the lingam. The and this is where it gets messed up. This is the part when, as, as I was researching here, I was like, oh, dear God. <sighs> Are you ready? Um. Okay, before you get into that, I think we need to go back to the beginning and record just like a little disclaimer that's like, hey, before you listen to this, it is completely inappropriate and contains many, many sexual themes. And we're just going to put that at the very beginning before the episode even begins. And in this case, I would term it sexual violence for what we're about to get into. Okay, then let's not even get into it. No, we have to because it's self-violence for what they would do. So the people of the southern countries think that true sexual pleasure cannot be obtained without perforating the lingam. And they therefore cause it to be pierced like the lobes of an infant uh, pierced for earrings. When a young man perforates his lingam, he should pierce it with a sharp implement, implement and then stand in water so long as the blood continues to flow. At night, he should engage in sexual intercourse, even with vigor, so as to clean the hole. After this, he should continue to wash the hole with decoctions and increasing the size by putting in small pieces of cane and the... Yeah, another stuff. Do you want hepatitis? Yeah. Because this is how you get... Hepatitis. Yeah, gradually enlarging the orifice that has been made. It may also be washed with licorice mixed with honey and the size of the hole increased by the fruit stalks of the simipatra plant. The hole should be anointed with small quantities of oil. 
Now, in the hole made in the lingam, a man may put apradavyas of various form, such as the round round on one side, the wooden mortar, the flower, the armlet, the bone of the heron, the goad of the elephant, the collection of eight balls, the lock of hair, the place where four roads meet. I have no idea what it's describing in this, but basically the gist of what it is, is that these are apradavyas or sex toys that when you have made a hole in your dick, you then attach devices to it that hang off of your penis and these are aids to help with sex there's not enough wine in the world did archaeologists discover noah's ark is the rapture coming as soon as the euphrates river dries up does the bible condemn abortion don't you wish you had a trustworthy academic resource to help make sense of all of this well, I'm Dan Beecher, and he's award-winning Bible scholar and TikTok sensation, Dr. Dan McClellan. And we want to invite you to the Data Over Dogma podcast. Where our mission is to increase public access to the academic study of the Bible and religion, and also to combat the spread of misinformation about the same. But, you know, in a fun way. Every week we tackle fascinating topics. We go back to source materials in their original languages. And we interview top scholars in the field. So whether you're a devout believer or you're just interested in a clear-eyed, deeply informed look at one of the most influential books of all time, we think you're going to love the Data Over Dogma podcast. Wherever you subscribe to awesome shows. For me to forget. I know, right? And I would love to forget this. Yeah, now get this part for it here because it's getting worse. No. Do you remember, do you, you ever, you saw Austin Powers. Do you remember the Swedish penis pump? Like the devices that people have to yes. enlarge their penis, that sort of thing? I think they actually have ads for that on certain sites still. <laughs> so if a man wishes to enlarge his lingam, he should rub it with the bristles of certain insects that live in trees. Basically like wasps and bees and things like that. Things that have venom that, you know, make your glands swell. So he should rub it with these bristles from these insects, and then after rubbing it for ten nights with oils, he should rub it again with the bristles as before. By continuing to do this, a swelling will gradually be produced in the lingam, and he should then lie on a cot and cause his lingam to hang down through a hole in the cot. So basically through a hammock and just let your dick just hang through one of the holes in the hammock. And after this, he should take all the pain from the swelling by using cool concoctions. The swelling, which is called suka, and is often brought about among the people of the Dravida country, lasts for life. They would just rub wasp and bee just like stingers and stinging insect crap like on their dick and then let it swell. And, like, that's how they enlarge their penises. This, I'm sorry, this is in the Kama Sutra? Yes! It's not just positions. Like, there's a variety of different things from it here. I don't... Just continue. (laughs) So, there was a variety of other things. Like, they had different oils from plants, like the fruit of the eggplant, the butter of the she-buffalo, the hashicharma plant, etc. So, these were temporary ones. What we described before, that was permanent. But these were like swellings that would last for like a month or things like that. So the enlargement of the lingam is also affected by rubbing it or moistening it with oil boiled on a moderate fire along with the seeds of the pomegranate and the cucumber, the juices of the veluca plant, the hostry chama plant, and the eggplant. So they had all these different concoctions and that kind of thing to basically rub on your dick and make it bigger. 
and that kind of thing. <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's so much more here. So they had also things, but it wasn't just for like men, right? They had things for women too. So an ointment made with the flowers of the Naclea Cambada, the hog plum, and the Eugenia Jambalona, when used by women, it caused her to be disliked by her husband. So it was like if you wanted your husband to not be with you, you would use that. I'm guessing it would create some kind of unpleasant effect or something like that. I don't know. But garlands that were made from the above flowers that we just listed when they were worn by women, it was supposed to have the same kind of effect. So they had that. They had ointments that would make the vagina tighter. So an ointment made of the fruit of the Aristarchantha longifolia, which was the uh, Kokilashka, it will contract the yoni. So it's basically a thing to make contractions. It will contract the vagina of the Hastini or elephant woman who has the really big vagina. (laughs) And this, this contraction would last for one night. So basically, if you wanted your elephant woman to not be an elephant woman, drink this or, or use this oil. <laughs> Listen, I'm still here, but I'm in shock. See, well, they didn't just have things for big women, right? It was also for small women because sometimes women have a hard time, especially if like you have a small girl. Like, you've seen this, I'm sure. Like the, the, You see some basketball players or football I've players that this. are like six foot eight mm-hmm. and then they are with a girl who is like five foot one. Right. I've seen this. Like you can just think about that, relatively yeah. speaking. So they had a term for this as well for like the women who are very petite, small waists, etc., whose yoni were very shallow and tight and hard. So if they wanted to enlarge the yoni of these migri or deer women, which was the term that they would have for it. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm not stopping. Can I cancel this podcast no, right you can, now? No, you cannot. They would have an ointment that was made by pounding the roots of the Nelebrium spisosium and of the blue lotus and the powder of the plant uh, Phileus flexosa mixed with ghee and honey. Ghee is good. And so they would use this to enlarge the yoni. There's a lot. Like, I, I, I copied. You have no idea. I just literally copied this whole thing. And I've just been going through this varying things. It's just literally Basically, from the Kama Sutra. if you guys want the rest of this, go read the Kama Sutra. Oh, my God. There's so See much for here. See what you can do, besties. The, the last one that I'm going to give you this here this, is just... Sorry. This puts a whole other view on the name Hose or History of Everything. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah. Yay. So here's the, the final little one that I'm going to leave with you on that is a woman who hears a man playing on a reed pipe, which has been dressed with the juices of the Bahupadika plant, the Tabermontana coronaria, the Costus speciosus, or the Arabicius, the Pinus diodora, and the Euphoria antiquorum, the Vajira, and the Kentaka plant, becomes his slave. I'm pretty sure that it's just an aphrodisiac. Basically, it's the idea of you take all this oil for it here, and if you're playing on a reed pipe that has all these different oils that I guess are scented and all these other things, then as he's playing this music and all these scents are being created, it's just going to make her super horny and, like, just his slave. Have they considered maybe his musical talent had a part? I'm assuming that you, it would only work if you were actually an effective musician as well. <laughs> Because I'm just imagining some guy just breaking just out. on a reed. Dude, just break out Darude Sandstorm. Just. 
That is not even a rude sad storm. You you know what I mean for it here. Okay. That's still not it. Okay. (laughs) It's been a long time since I heard it in the first place. But you know when you hear it for it here. Ah, God. It even has that recorder version. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know. I listen to it for fun sometimes. (laughs) It's very good. It is, actually. Now, with all of this being said, we have covered all this ancient stuff in history, right? There's more. No, this is ancient. We covered the ancient. But yes, there's more. We haven't talked about the Victorian era stuff. It's been an hour. I know, but we're going to wrap this up soon. With that being said, there is some things among this that is the most hilarious part for me here. Okay, what is it? And that is that in the Victorian era, they had a whole variety of sex toys designed to treat women medically for hysteria. Okay, so hysteria. Hysteria is not exactly something that isn't necessarily a uh, a recent concept for it here. So going back all the way to the second century, there was this anatomist by the name of Galen who said that hysteria was caused by the retention of female semen, which would get into the blood and then corrupt it. And whose idea was it to listen to him? Well, I mean, women had periods, and so clearly it had to periodically just be like let let go just out that, that's a thing <laughs> so i mean the idea that the womb is the seat of irrational and emotional behavior in women like that seems like perfectly logical to men throughout all of history <laughs> so because like what else do they have it's like boobs well larger men ha- can have boobs too so it's it's got to be there <laughs> Like in 1801, the condition was actually labeled hysteria, which if you like, you know, a hysterectomy, hysteria, that comes from the Greek word for womb. You gotta be kidding. No. Have you never made that connection before? How would I have made that connection before? Hysterectomy, hysteria. It literally, it comes from womb. (laughs) And so the, the way that they would treat this disorder It would be carried out by doctors who would use pelvic massages to bring the patient to what was called a hysteric paxorism. An orgasm. Yes. Yeah, literally, it's just an orgasm. Relieving the patient of troublesome tension. But they had all different kinds of alternate things that could be done. It didn't necessarily have to be done by massages. For example, the French advocated that you would use powerful streams of water like a hose or a shower head <laughs> or that uh another one was they advocated for horse riding as an alternative but not riding in the the one way it's just more like you know actually riding horses on the saddle and no i what <laughs> but Unfortunately, this didn't seem to help. Hysteria continued to spread, and doctors complained that they were spending far too much time relieving patients of their symptoms. Oh no, the doctors had to spend time giving women orgasms. This sucks. Yeah, yeah, but they're not getting anything out of it. It's like, it would be really tiring for just imagine your patients over and over and over again, and that you're just having to use that hand just doing stuff. That would be exhausting. So they developed... Vibrators or things like vibrators. Okay, so in the old days, it wasn't electric necessarily. The first model that they had, I think this would be the first, it came out in something like 1734 and it used a crank just like a hedonistic 
egg beater. So you just be cranking your hand around this thing and it's creating little vibrations and things. I think you just, you know, press that up against a woman against her nethers and then just go to town, just cranking it as hard as you could. I wish I could laugh into this mic and it not be like horrible feedback because I've been dying this entire time. (laughs) But that's not the worst one. There are two devices in here, and I've actually got images of them. I'm going to show you here. So the first one of these, the first mechanical vibrator, was a steam-powered device called the Manipulator, invented by Dr. George Taylor in the Manipulator. Honestly, quite suiting for women, don't you think? I think it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like a Dr. Evil. It does. Dr. Doofenshmirtz. It does. This is my manipulator ray. Just like something for it here. <laughs> but, it's, but no, this was a steam engine that powered a reciprocating motion of a sphere that was on like the, okay, okay so here's how this worked. I'm going to show you this. Give me just a second because I'm going to pull this thing up here and I got to show you. Right. Okay. Here's the device. That's what? Yeah. Yeah. Now, chat, I, I I want you, for those of you who are listening, to go and look, look up the device. Just literally look up The Manipulator, 1869. So essentially- and all of these will be on Patreon. We will post them along with the episode. So if you're a patron, you will be able to see exactly, like, everything he looked mm-hmm. up. So essentially what this looks like is a- um, it is a steam engine with a giant kettle on one side and a series of gears and tubes leading forward all the way to a like to a motor. And at the end of that motor is a rod that has a gigantic rubber slash metal apparatus that sticks out of it. That what happens is that as the steam engine runs, it rattles and it shakes the rod with a ball at the end of it. So what they would do is this device would be in one room that some unlucky attendant, I guess, is just shoveling coal into to burn. And then on the other end, strapped to a table is a woman who has this rod from this massive bulky device that is shoved near her hoo-ha that is just vibrating based off steam engine. No. Yes. Yes, it is. But that is not the that's that's not like the worst. How is that not the worst? Well, I mean, arguably, it's the worst in terms of its clankiness, but <laughs> in terms of its clankiness. Yeah, but I'd say that there's one in here in the future. I'm going to show you that is it's worse because it is it's so unnecessary based off of when it was made. Right. So in 1883, British doctor Joseph Mortimer Granville inadvertently invented the first actual vibrator, colloquial known as Granville's hammer, which was its initial intention was supposed to be muscular massages for men like you would, you know, like a massage gun, hold it into a man's shoulder or something like that after a long day's hard work. And it would relieve the pressure. Instead, it became the first vibrator. But in 1899, vibrators, as we would think about them, became available for home sale with more models becoming available in later years. I mean, we're talking some of these initial vibrators, Gabby. They had 40 pound batteries that had to be lugged. Like they were definitely for at home use, but they were still these massive devices. And some of them, by the time they got smaller, they cost only around $200 
two to three dollars, maybe. Or well, that was pretty much how much it cost technically to go to like a visit for a doctor. So they would they would cost a, some money, but not necessarily too much. But then in 1904, you have a device called the Chattanooga, which was this massive contraption on wheels that cost $200. And mind you, this is $200 in 1904. So that's a lot more money now. And this was a device, which I'm going to show you this. I'm going to pull this up here once again. Oh, first off, I didn't show you the one, but that's that's the egg beater one. That doesn't look so bad. Yeah, it doesn't look so bad. Uh, this is the Chattanooga, though. That looks horrible. Yeah. Okay, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. Do they sell any of these? Because I would love to get my hands on a collector's edition for display purposes, obviously. Well, here's an actual image of it being used. Nope. Yep. Never mind. Yep. Never mind. So the thing is, it wasn't just for stimulation for so. Like, Are you even allowed to post that on Patreon? <laughs> you know, good question. I don't know. I probably can't post that last one, to be fair. I don't think you should, Jesse. <laughs> so this wasn't just for women, though. The Chattanooga included an anal probe for men no. suffering from hysteria. Men? For men suffering from hysteria. Anyway, are you hysteric? <laughs> on and that note. On that note, let's end this. It's gone on way too long. We okay, need to but stop. We haven't even attacked in 1900s. The 1950s and above had some wild inventions, and I know about these. Oh, and that's actually one of the ones that I was talking about. Remember when I said that they had these massive battery packs for here? So just think about this. You'd have something for at-home use, and you'd have this big 40-pound block of a battery, and it's just attached to a rotor. Okay, at the I end think of it. at some point in the future, we have to do a part two of this. Which, if we don't remember, someone just tag us online or message us on Instagram or something. We should do a part two where we go into, like, 1900. So it won't be, like, old history, but it will still be history. It's still history. There's a lot of different things to cover from history. I covered dumb deaths from very recent ones, so why not? I actually have no idea how you're going to promo this on TikTok, of all places. There is a woman whose entire shtick is weird sexual history. I'm sure that I could do something so long as I use general what terms. If for the, what, the promo on my channel, I make the video. And you're just in the background asking the question. You, we, we flip. <laughs> we could. We could. I think that'd be fun. Anyway, thank you so much for joining. I, I'm gonna, I don't even have fun facts here at this point because I'd say that all of this stuff is just... A it, fun fact. It's all of it is fun facts just Actually, congealed no. together Some in of it mess. was not... It was like disturbing fact. Yeah. It was fun fact slash disturbing fact slash go read the Kama Sutra if you want more disturbing facts. And anyway, on that note, Ford here, I do want to ask if there are any listeners who are listening from around the world. I remember looking at... We have like we have one or two percent viewers from just all different kinds of places that I never expected for stuff, such as, say, Morocco and other things like that. Ooh, send us suggestions for podcast episodes. Yeah, not only suggestions, but if we do a part two of other things for, like, you know, weird sexual things and that kind of stuff. Or just anything. Send us messages on Discord, on Instagram, on stuff like that that just demonstrates something, like a fun, weird fact that you would like to be shared about your country that goes back into its history. We really try to get, like, people from all around the world and like different cultures i think that's really cool and we want to highlight those exactly because we can't do as much on tiktok because people get really upset for some reason if yeah. you cover history and steve's white so that's his fault yeah 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 you couldn't just not be 
Like, it would be so much easier if you were. <laughs> Your mother refers to me as her black son, which is no, very odd coming from an Indian woman. Let's edit that out. Let's edit that out. We got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you for listening. We really hope the quality is getting slightly better. We're doing our best. Um, hopefully, in the future, we can do really well once we get some sponsors for the podcast. Because we just have, like, the base ads that are run by the podcasting service. But we haven't actually gotten sponsors for this podcast yet because we haven't had the time to look into it. Yeah. The more so. support that we get on Patreon, the more support we get everywhere else, the more that we're able to develop. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you, and I will see you on the next episode. Thank Bye, you, guys. guys. Bye-bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.